Hey everyone, welcome back to Global Blue Nosers, the podcast about everyday people around the world whose lives have been shaped by the province of Nova Scotia. I'm your host, Sean Meister, and today's guest is someone I've known for years, but actually only got to meet face-to-face when we recorded this episode recently. It's rare for me to record episodes in person, so I'm always so excited when schedules line up and I can do one like this. Heather Kernahan is originally from Truro, Nova Scotia, but now calls San Francisco her home away from Nova Scotia. Heather is an international business leader, strategic advisor, and current global CEO of Hotwire Global, a leading tech communications and marketing firm. A contributor to Fast Company, Fortune, and Ad Week, and one of San Francisco Business Times' 100 Most Influential Women, Heather is a sought-after speaker for audiences like Fortune Global Forum and NASDAQ Entrepreneurial Center. A graduate of both St. Mary's University and Nova Scotia Community College, Heather is also the author of the recently released book, Unstuckable, which I'm reading right now and highly recommend you all grab a copy of. But more than anything, Heather is a proud Nova Scotian. I've seen this firsthand over the years as she's promoted the province within her networks and taken time from a very busy schedule to give advice to local entrepreneurs here at home. You will really hear that pride and enthusiasm in our conversation today. And I get to see it all the time over the years while she and I have been connected. You'll also notice that today's episode is shorter than usual. I'd be really curious to hear your feedback on this. When I went back and listened to this conversation, parts of me actually really liked the shorter format. Normally, we're in sort of that like 45 minutes to an hour range, but this one is sort of more in that half hour, like 25 to 30 minute range. So let me know by email or send me a message on social media to let me know what your thoughts are on it. If lots of you really like it, maybe I'll start doing a few of these shorter format episodes sprinkled in amongst some of the longer form ones. So with all that said, let's get to it. The sun was setting in the west And the birds were singing on every tree And all nature seemed inclined for rest But still there was no rest for me I grieved to leave my native land I grieved to leave my comrades all And my parents whom I held so dear And the bunny bunny last that I do adore So farewell to Nova Scotia, the sea bound Watch your mountains dark and drear I be For when I am far away on the primary ocean dust Will you ever heave a sigh or a wish for me? Will you ever heave a sigh or a wish for me? Will you ever heave a sigh or a wish for me? Heather, thanks so much for joining me. I'm so happy to be here in person to see you. So we, yeah, we have to say this right off the <laughs> yes. bat is this is in person, which is always so wonderful. And amazingly, the first time you and I have actually met. I know. We feel like we know each other, I think. Because we've known, it's been a few, quite a few years it has. now. Yeah, probably 2019, I'd 2018, say, you reached out to me. Yeah. yeah, probably around that. Again, my classic LinkedIn stalking of finding people yeah. uh, and found you out in San Francisco. And it's amazing, like, what's what's happened in the world since then yes. but just the the back and forth that you and I have had so like to finally we were here in Volta yes. uh, in one of the the inbox booths which is my na- my my mobile recording studio now <laughs> yes. um but yeah this this is so awesome so you just you just flew in last night 
came in from San Francisco last night. That's right. How was the flight? Flight was great. Uh, it was a shock when I got off the plane because there's still a lot of snow down. There's a storm and it was so cold, but I brought the right jacket. That's good. I yeah. mean, it is warming up next week. Yes. So we'll, you know, we'll we'll get to that classic Nova Scotia of cold, warm, cold, yes. warm, cold, warm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, jet lagged? Are you feeling feeling good? I feel okay. I travel a lot for work, so I'm very used to. You just get up in the morning wherever you are and you get going. So I applied that here too. Yeah, it's uh, it's always been the way for me. It's like whenever I've traveled, I'm like just just get to sleep and just try to feel like it's a normal day. Yes, exactly. And just just roll with yeah. it. Yeah. So it was perfect. I had to come here, see you. Got to get up. Let's get the day going. I'm so happy I could help. Yeah. <laughs> You did. Um, all right. So I know you've you've got a, a packed day here in, in Halifax. So I, I want to get right to it today because I have I have this problem of I talk too much because I mean we're Nova Scotians. Yes. So we chat. We're probably going to have to do a round two on this one. Um, maybe when I'm in San Francisco, we'll record mm-hmm. one there too. Um, Definitely. So let's start with with like I said, you're in San Francisco, but let's let's hear your story. How did you end up uh, there and, and where did things start for you here? Yeah, well, I grew up in Truro, Nova Scotia, the hub of Nova Scotia. I always <laughs> say very proudly that sign when you drive through, t- through Truro, the hub. And from an early age, I really loved travel. And so when I, as soon as I could, I left, Nova, I left Truro and I went to St. Mary's University. That was where I went to school very proudly, worked at the Goresburg Pub for years and uh, loved Halifax in particular. It felt like the big city to me. Eventually went to London for a couple of years and then to Toronto for uh, probably about eight years. And then I was with a company there that was acquired by a company in San Francisco. And when that was happening, uh, I said to um, my husband, Mike, who's also from Nova Scotia, I think I'm going to lose my job. I'm kind of burnt out. I bought a house in Halifax. Let's go back. And I shocked him to (laughs) shit because I would kind of said, I love Toronto. I want to stay but I'd come home for a weekend and just said, let's buy a house here. So we temporarily came back to Nova Scotia when that deal was closing. And I thought, I'll just, I'll figure out a job. Um, but when the deal closed, they said, hey, we want you to come to San Francisco. And Mike gratefully said, uh, well, I haven't even unpacked the boxes yet. You know, we'll just put everything on a truck. We'll go to San Francisco for a couple of years and see what happens. And that was, that was 20 years ago. <laughs> so a couple of years. Yeah, a couple of years turned into 20. <laughs> yeah. And now I consider myself half Californian. So... I'm curious about that. So how does it feel for someone growing up in Truro? Like what, what is life in California like in, for you? Like how well adjusted did it, like how well did you adjust to the, to that lifestyle? Yeah. It, well, I thought it would be the same, you know, like Canada, U.S. We grew up watching all the U.S. TV shows. You know, I just felt like same, same. Uh, it is not the same at all. I really, once we got there, experienced a culture shock that I didn't expect and have gotten used to. I think California too has got its own culture compared to the rest of the U.S. And, and each area has its own. So we've built a life there, though. You know, we have a home. We've got two kids. And uh, our daughter came with us when we she was one when we moved there. So she's basically grown up there. And our son is 15. So he's American, but identifies as Nova Scotian. And they, they both really love it. They spent their whole childhood flying back and forth and making sure that they're really connected to family here. I'm curious about that. So like, you know, that to me, that's, that's got to be tough. Like you're growing up in, in California and, and, but having this, you know, two parents that are from Nova Scotia, like, yeah. it, is it something that it's just natural for them to feel that they're like sort of two people? They like, they've got their, their California life and they've got this whole other Nova Scotia side to themselves. Well, yeah. And we did it on purpose because when we went to, and we stayed two years in San Francisco and my visa was renewed. And so at that point we had to make a decision, are we going to stay a lot longer. And we decided, yes, we will. Uh, But my husband in particular said, 
I want to make sure the kids know their family and family on both sides. Everybody lives in Nova Scotia. So he couldn't work. He didn't have a work visa. And we made an agreement every summer he would go and take the kids. And he so he brought them here for four to seven weeks every summer. And so they really grew up every summer knowing their family, living with their family here. And then I would fly back and forth during that period of time. So I think they love having that dual identity. They feel special yeah. in California because they're Canadian, which is cool. And they're from Nova Scotia, which barely anybody has heard about. <laughs> And lucky them, they got to experience Nova Scotia yes. in the summer. Yes, exactly. <laughs> their their Nova Scotia life is the most beautiful time. Yes, yeah, they've had the best of everything. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god. So, so you said that you know you were somebody that you you kind of wanted to travel. Mm-hmm. Um, and what do you think instilled that in you? Because I mean, you know, Truro is it's. To me, it's a big town because I grew up in New Ross. Um, but it's, let's be honest, it's small. It's, it's very small. Yeah. So, I mean, it's one of those things I find that people that grow up in small communities, you, you can kind of go one of two directions. Yes. It's like, I only want this. Yes. Or I need to see more. Yeah. So why do you think you went that direction? The seeing more. Well, when I was in high school, there was a program that was offered through a group called the Nova Scotia Gambia Association. So Gambia is a country in Western uh, Africa. And there was a man, uh, Burstavani, who had set that program up because he'd been to the Gambia quite a few times and said, I want to expose high school students in Nova Scotia to high school students in the Gambia. I was in grade 10. I went to uh, Cobblequid Educational Center in Truro, and they talked about this program. I went home and I said to my mom, this looks so interesting. I've never been anywhere. You know, could I do it? And she was very supportive of me. So we spent a whole year as a, a group of students fundraising, then we got to go to the Gambia mm-hmm. and be there for, I think we were there for about a month and we had part, we were partnered up with students there and then they came and they homestayed with us. So the Gambian students, I had two of them live with us for three months. So that program, I, you know, I stopped in London on the way. I went to Africa and I was 17, 16, 17 years old. I was just like, wow, there's so much out there. I want to see it all. Um, and so I did, I have a lot of friends who are still in Truro. They've raised their families there, but yeah, I went the opposite way. Wow. Yeah, that that is quite a first trip out. Yes, it is. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I went on like a vacation with my mom on a plane ever. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah, I think the, the first time I didn't take a car out of the province was a train to Ottawa and mm. I thought I was going to the end of the world. I mean I was just like yes. it's like, where am I going? Yes, why is it taking so long? Yeah. So to get on a plane. London, to London, Africa, Africa yeah, yeah it's little... kind of crazy. <laughs> so you're either going to love it or hate it after yeah. you do that. And after that, it was just like, I, I want to go. You know, there's way more things to see in the world. And that's how I continue to be today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I'm kind of curious, like, so for somebody that's going out into the world a lot, I mean, and for anyone that looks you up, you, you have a really yeah. impressive career uh, in the past and what you're still doing. Yeah. Um, so you, you've done all this. What do you think about being a Nova Scotian has helped you in that mm. journey because it, it is really impressive. And I, I often find that people will say that there's there's elements of their identity that has made them successful mm. or helped them in that journey. So what do you think about it is about being a Nova Scotian that's maybe contributed to, to your success? Yeah, well, I'll talk about it in two parts. One is a, there is a grounding to my personality that I deeply value as a leader. So I'm a CEO of a global business. So I interact with all kinds of people around the world with all kinds of different temperaments and cultural backgrounds. And although I don't think that Truro is a diverse community by any stretch of the imagination, I do think there is this 
practicalism that that I grew up, you know, you just you work really hard. Family's important, community's important. Don't get too full of yourself. You know, it's not about you, it is about the community. And that is a part of my identity from which I lead a, a whole business. And I can stay very calm, very grounded, and just get done what needs to get done. Yeah. I, I love that. But I will say, when I first went to California, I was working for a big global tech company, and I was very insecure about my Canadianism. People would stop me in meetings and say, where are you from? Because uh -huh. of an accent that yeah. I would have on certain words. And so I, I really picked out what words were, were I saying, was I saying that were Canadian? And I took them out of my vocabulary or I changed the enunciation so that I would sound American. And I did that for probably six or seven years. And I hit a turning point where I thought, I've got enough confidence now. I've made it here. I can, I can own who I am. And now I enter every room, every stage I'm on. I'm like, I'm Heather Carnahan. I got to start with where are the Canadians? Every room, Sean. There are Canadians in every room around the world. And then I'll say, you know, where are you from? And people shout out where they're from. It's really fun. But I fully embrace the Canadianism now. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, it's amazing. So I in my previous life and now through what I'm doing here with Global Blue Nosers, I, I get to meet so many Nova Scotians who have, uh, you know, done similar to you, like they're, they're leaders in global companies yep. um, in the C-suite and things like that. The thing I always will say to people, because people are like, that's such a cool thing that you get to do. Yeah. Uh, but what I find fascinating is that I have this amazing network of people who, if I just put them in a room yeah. and told nobody anything, no one would know they were CEOs. Mm. It's just like yes. a, a room full of really fun people. Yeah, yeah. And the approachability like, yeah. is is. I think it's probably one of the most amazing defining features of Nova Scotians, especially in leadership roles, mm -hmm. um, is that they're just so human. Yeah. And uh, so I'm so glad you mentioned that because that's been yeah. my reality. Yeah, it's it's very true. Yeah. yeah, we don't have to run around saying who we are, what we do, right? We don't lead with title. Not necessary. We've got this, you know, I know who I am. We know who we are. Yep. And there's no uppityness about it. Yeah, mm -hmm. you, you show by doing. That's right. Yeah. And I kind of have used that to my advantage, especially in the tech industry over time. It's, well, being a woman in tech alone in a leadership position is a bit interesting and unique. And I, I always feel like, yes, please underestimate me. Please doubt me. I have this, uh, and I don't know if this is a Canadian or a personal trait, but I'm like, I'm going to come for you. Yeah. And you're not, you're not really going to see it coming, but I'm going to win the business. I'm going to hire the person. I'm going to build everything without being overtly asshole about it. Maybe this is a Nova Scotian thing because that resonates so much. Does it? Like yeah. my my favorite thing is when someone says you're not going to be able to do that. Yeah. I'm just like, oh, I I love I love an opportunity <laughs> to be able to like rub it in someone's face. Yes. Yeah. Um, because I feel like, you know, for me, I try to go about everything very measured, but like mm. with, you know, measured, but also a level of risk. Yeah. And, and when people say you can't do that, I'm like, okay, it's risky enough. Yeah. But I know enough that I'm going to win. Yes. And maybe that's a Nova Scotia thing. Maybe it is. I think, well, I mean, we've been underestimated for generations. Yes. Like yeah. we've always been sort of the the little cousin off on the coast. Yes. Uh, and sort of put down because of our accent and things. So maybe we do just really enjoy sticking it to people. We do. Even those <laughs> West Coast Canadians, because I meet so many people from <laughs> Vancouver. They're like, oh, I'm Canadian. I'm from Vancouver. And usually it's in a group and I'll say, oh, they're from Canada. But I mean, I'm from real Canada. Like, <laughs> real Canada is Nova Scotia. Yep. Sure, you're Canadian, but yeah. not real Canada. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're not in the heart and the soul <laughs> of the place. Exactly. Uh, but okay, so well, I, I'm curious for you now. You've you've done London, Toronto, San Francisco. Yeah. Um, how do you describe Truro? <laughs> 
I don't really. <laughs> uh, I, I'll just say to people, I grew up in a two-stop light town. Um, and I mean, it's got more than that, but that at least paints a picture for people of, of where I grew up. And then I'll talk about Halifax because, I mean, my, my heart is in Halifax. Mm-hmm. I love it here so much. And, and I just say I grew up in a very small place. Yeah. And people are often quite astounded. Like, how did you get from there to here yeah mm-hmm. well i think that's always the fascination here yes. is like we we really fixate on people that have like quote unquote made, made it. it yeah um because again maybe we underestimate ourselves um but yeah i mean i, I feel like probably an upbringing in a place like truro is is a, to your advantage uh it it, it because positive or negative yeah it's, it's a it's a unique to be able to jump truro halifax out into the world yes. like that that adds layers yeah it's certainly when I reflect on that, it, it is confidence building because everything's a possibility. I can do anything. I grew up in yeah, a very small town and I operate around the world now. And, and that's a cool thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so one thing I definitely want to get into the show, mm-hmm. um, because this is probably going to be one of our shorter episodes. Mm-hmm. And then we'll do, like I said, we'll do when I'm out in San Francisco next year, we'll do the next That'd one. That'd be great. Um, but you just released a book. I did. So tell us about your book. Yeah, it's my very first business book. There will be more. That's why I say my first business book. It's called Unstuckable, Never Be Stuck in Business Again with Tools from Tech Innovators, because I've spent my entire career in the technology industry. I started in uh, 99 in Toronto with a tech company and just have kept going. And during the pandemic, uh, everyone I talked to, no matter what they were, like a student, a CEO, everybody in my network was kept saying the word stuck over and over mm. again. And I just thought looking ahead, things are not going to get easier even when the pandemic is over. And there's going to be this pervasiveness of, of stuckness in, in business. And I was running um, not my current job, but a global team at the time. And I thought I cannot afford for my team to spend most of their days feeling stuck. So I developed the unstuck model, just using everything I knew from the tech industry, which never gets stuck. You, you just always keep moving forward yep. in innovation companies. And I, yeah, I put it into this model and uh, it took me about three years to get it done, but it launched November 2nd. So available to purchase online. <laughs> nice and fresh. It's going to be linked in the show notes. Thank so you. everybody go out and, and get this because I mean, again, I've been watching your journey. Advice coming from you is going to be really good advice. Thank you. Um, but so who do you, like, I, I, who do you really write this for? Like, who, who's going to get the most out of something like this? Yeah, somebody who is is inspired by the technology industry and wants to be an innovator and probably someone who's running teams. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what I thought about. People who have to lead even one or two people and manage a couple of people, knowing for themselves how do they keep unstuck to lead and innovate? And then how do you identify when your team might be stuck and you need to help keep them moving forward. Yeah. So that's really who the book is for. But I think, I mean, I've heard from students already who've said I've picked it up and I've learned a couple things. It's written in a manner where you can dip in between parts of the model oh, whenever good. you might need it. Yeah, you could come back and do like, you might think a chapter doesn't apply now, but it might six months from now. So kind of a handy tool book and with some exercises in it. Oh, that's really good. It's when you're when you're able to come back and grab yes. a part. That's that's so much more realistic to how people's lives are gonna go. That's so, how I feel. Those are yeah. the books I love to read, right? Where I put sticky notes, and then I'm like, okay, when I experience that issue, I'll come back. Yeah. Yeah. So what what have you learned about yourself going through that? Because writing a book is not an easy process. It is. It's horrible. <laughs> it's horrible. Okay, well, this is this is the story of um, when I put it together. Uh, it was I was experiencing these stories as I told you. People were saying stuck, 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 and there was one week I was doing all these 
check-ins with clients. And most of my clients, I operate at the C-level. So a bunch mm -hmm. of CEOs, three of them said, I am writing a book. And I thought, and I asked them, how are you writing a book during a pandemic? Things are crazy. And they, they all said they were getting help in some way and they all happened to be men. And so when, I mean, I run a marketing and public relations business. And so I deal all day long in like, who's influencing, who did the media talk about? And I asked my team, go do a scan of the authors who are quoted in media and go tell me out of the New York Times bestseller list, how many of those are non-white men? Tiny, tiny percentage, yeah. right? And so I was stomping around my house with my husband saying like, this is ridiculous. We need more women writing books. That's how more women writing business books. And I was like, how am I going to make that happen? And he said, you have to write a book. And I was like, what? Because well, if you want more people to do it, you have to do it first to know what that's like. And I was like, oh, my God. God damn it. I do have to write a book. And he's like, you've got lots of stories, lots of things you could do. So at that moment, I decided I need to write a book because ultimately I want a lot of women writing mm -hmm. business books so that they are on stage, referenced in the media. You know, even this morning, my, my, uh, I'm staying at my in-laws and my mother-in-law said, Heather, come look, there's this man on CTV who's, he wrote a book and he, all he's talking about is being stuck. You could be on CTV. I was like, I could be Ruth, but you know, that man's a known man. Yeah. And so, so that's what I'm doing with this book is the book is great. People should buy it and use it. There's a lot of good stuff. And I re for anyone listening who wants to write a book, please reach out to me. I want to, I want to get you started on the journey, including you. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we already chatted about yes. this leading up to it. I'm, I'm already going to tap into, into your knowledge on that. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that's really, I mean, that is something that's really common. I mean, particularly in the tech community, yes. uh, the underrepresentation of women in particular, yeah. um, which I find really fascinating because here at Volta, we're so many of our like top founders are women, Amazing. But, but they fly under the radar. Yeah. Um, more than they should. Yes. Thankfully, more of them are, are being represented in, in, in media and things like that, yeah. but um, they are spectacular leaders and, and founders. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think having more people like that sh sharing through books yes. would be good for everybody. Yeah, because often women will say, this is my experience with the executive women I work with. Um, and what I did too, I'll add to the story is I, when I decided to write the book, I never really want to do anything by myself, especially if I've never done it before. I think that probably connects back to my Canadian roots. Mm -hmm. I, I said, okay, I'm going to gather together other executive women who want to do their first business book. So I went out, it took me a really long time. And eventually I got nine other women who said, yes, I will dedicate that. I really want to do it. I'll do it now. And we called ourselves the 10 and we got together every Sunday on Zoom and we worked with, we talked to authors, publishers, all kinds of people in the industry to learn how to do this because we had no idea. So I always think it's fun to do things mm. together and learn, but often it takes women a lot longer to say, yes, I'll get on stage or yes, I'll, I'll get in the press or yes, I'll write the business book. It's going to be hard, but I'll do it. Yeah. The 10 is great branding, by the way. Oh, thank you. Yeah, I don't know. I want to do something with that. <laughs> that there's definitely something there. Yeah. That, that is really yeah. good. Um, well, that's amazing. So everybody, go to the link in the show notes, buy Heather's book. Um, I, I can say firsthand, like I said, over the years, getting to know Heather, you want to read a book that she's written, <laughs> um, for sure. Because I've talked to the people that have gotten advice from you. Oh, yeah. And they always come away saying this was the best. Oh, good. So, yeah. um, for sure, get the book. Um, Looking at the time, I want I want to you're you're going to NSCC. I'm going over to Nova Scotia Community College, so I'm a very proud mm -hmm. NSCC grad. 
I went to St. Mary's first. I didn't know what I was going to do with my life. Classic story. Classic. So I went to London. And then in London, uh, my mom had sent me the Halifax Herald. She used to send them over regularly for me to read. Such a mom move. I know. I love, And I loved it. We, you weren't really online back then. And on one of the, there was a big ad for NSCC. And it was uh, a one-year diploma in public relations. It was a brand new program they were recruiting students for. And I read every single description, like all of the classes they were offering. And I thought, oh, I love everything that they're going to teach. So I applied. I got accepted. I was very nervous about going to NSCC because I had viewed it as a trade school yep. only. And I and I was like, I'll just go do this for a year. And so I graduated. And every time I'm home, I call Shelly, who runs the PR program. I say, know Shelly. You know Shelly? Yes, she's incredible. So I, I called her. I said, I'm home. Can I please come over? Like, I don't even care if the students want me there. I want to be there. <laughs> Let me come over. So I'm doing that at 11. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah, so I and that's one of my favorite things is when people who are living away when they come home and want to give back that knowledge. Because like, that is such a huge part of that relationship back and forth between the province and the community of people out in the world that that love the province. Um, That knowledge transfer is so, so important. It is. Um, So I love that you're doing that. So but I can't let an episode end without the big question. Yes. so you're you you haven't even been home twenty four hours. <laughs> no, I haven't. Um, but I, I I have to know if if I could give you only twenty four hours in the province, yeah. And you can pick what time of year because I'm guessing winter and <laughs> and summer might be different answers. Yeah. Um, what would you do to in those twenty four hours to get the most like? Heather, Nova Scotia experience you can get. Okay, yeah. And I went and checked with my husband who's out there at the beach we always go to. I'd start at Lawrencetown Beach in the morning. Such a, such a special place for my husband and I. So I would go there in the morning. I'd definitely get coffee and just go watch the waves. So this is a summertime. Yeah, it's got to be a summertime thing. Yeah. Yeah. So then I'd go to Spring Garden Road and go somewhere for brunch. I don't know enough places there anymore, but Spring Garden Road, brunch, and do a walk. Then down to the waterfront, which is incredible now. Oh, my gosh. A little different than probably your SMU days. So different. So, like, the hotels that are down there. The, the Muir, restaurant. The Muir Hotel. The Muir there. is insane. I'm going to go stay there tonight because it looks so beautiful. I just had to stay over. So, I would go walk the whole waterfront and stop and have cocktails along the way. And, um probably stay there until the evening. Although I would go over to Point Pleasant Park for mm-hmm. a walk through the park and the SMU campus, which I still really love. Yeah. And then I would go just bar hopping downtown to whatever bars there are, because that's fun. And I really, really want to end my 24 hours at like 4 a.m. at Pizza Corner, if that's still <laughs> open uh, with Donaire sauce, you know, all over my face. <laughs> <laughs> and all of my uh, family and friends who I love with me. <laughs> I, I pizza corner. It always comes up. <laughs> Every it's so it's such a big part of our life here. It, yeah. it, it is. It is really fascinating how that like that is an institution. Yes. And how critical it is to sort of that that connection back and the memories. Yeah. Um. But again, it's uh, the these these things that I see across. It's like family and friends. Yeah. Food nature like those are those things that seem to always be the anchors to everyone when they come home so um i love i love the sound (laughs) of that the bar hopping sounds great um definitely a do yeah and uh and definitely a different vibe downtown now so i mean you got some really great spots to to go for for doing that yeah so so many great places um but yeah you're gonna love the muir it is yeah it is so nice and pretty much every restaurant in the ground floor of that building top notch just absolutely top notch. God, I get to eat a lot of meals in the next couple yeah. of days. <laughs> if if you like tacos, yeah, I will say Bar Sophia. Okay, is uh, probably one of my pl- favorite places to go at lunchtime to get um, to get tacos. 
good cocktail okay. or something like that. Yeah. That spot's great. And then, I mean, honestly, you can't go wrong. I, I went to, to Daria, which is the Mediterranean place. Oh, yeah. I want to go there. So good. So good. So good. And we're going to Walter's Snack Bar tonight. Do you know that place? Yep. Okay. My sister's 40th birthday is this weekend, and I, I'm here to surprise her. For, oh, uh, my We're goodness. having a big party at Walter's, so we bought the place out, and we're surprising her tonight at, like, 7, and uh, so I'm excited to go there. Their, their cocktails look great. I love it. That is, oh, what a great, yeah. what a great thing to do. Yeah, it's a very fun weekend. My, you, you've got an action-packed time home. I really do. <laughs> That's how I live my life, though, Sean. It's like, let's fill it up. Let's do all this stuff. Well, I, I can't thank you enough for fitting this into what is a very busy trip home and, and especially so quickly after landing. <laughs> yes. uh, it was a priority for me. So it's, thank you for interviewing me. Oh, my goodness. No no problem whatsoever. I can't wait. Like I said, I'm, I'm my, the plan is to be out in San Francisco in the fall to, to do a little bit of a yes. kitchen party out there. So um, we'll have to do it on, on your side of things. Yeah. And I'm recruiting more Nova Scotians. I'm searching everywhere around it, the Bay Area. We'll have a good showing. It's it's amazing the, the when I've talked to people that I know out there it's like even when we just compared our notes we're, yeah. we're getting to like 30 50 more people oh, that are like from or went to school yes, out here it's yeah. it's amazing the, the the number of people in the bay area that yeah. that have a connection back here yeah. um okay. which for me being in the tech community I'm just sitting like salivating yes. like, what can we do with that oh we, we're gonna do a lot I think we should create some big plans oh my yeah. I love big plans yeah and then everyone can tell us that we're not gonna be able to do it <laughs> I was like oh yeah Watch this space. <laughs> Taking over the world. Love it. Heather, thank you so much. You're very welcome. Thank you. Global Blue Nosers is a Some Good Media and Entertainment production. It's hosted, edited, and produced by me, Sean Meister. All the music used on the show is by Lunenburg-based band Black Matilda. You can find the show on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, so give us a follow. If you enjoyed the show today, I'd really appreciate a five-star review. And make sure you also subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode, especially some of those surprise bonus ones that are bound to come. Thanks for listening, and I can't wait to welcome you back again next week.